Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about very interesting topic, bootstrapping and scaling an agency. So good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about uh, agency, uh, welcome. So today I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Wayne Brown. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's an interesting topic even for me because uh, I have an agency. Of course, I have a goal to scale more. Uh, many terrible things happened in 2022 because of this war in uh, uh, Ukraine with yeah. Russia. Yeah, so terrible. But you know, it doesn't matter. We didn't stop. Uh, yeah, uh, that was hard time. But right now we uh, we found another track and going ahead. That's why I'm so excited to learn more about that. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and. Why you decided to share with us about this topic? Sure. So I've been doing this for 17 years, you know, running advertising online. I used to live in the UK. I've lived in both sides of Canada. I'm from Canada. I've lived a little bit down in Australia and I've worked for, you know, big agencies like, you know, Omnicore and Omnicom and WWP down to, you know, local agencies and small agencies, medium agencies, both in Canada and the UK, you know, worked for big brands like ASOS and Jack Wills, and we've done stuff for Walmart and WooCommerce as an agency. And so I think I've got that unique position where I've worked, you know, both client side and in-house. I've worked for, you know, tech companies, for nonprofits. So I often joke, I pretty much have done it all in my career. I think the only thing I haven't done is maybe, you know, advertise like an airline or something like that or sold alcohol online. But then last year we got an alcohol brand, so I sold alcohol online. Um, <laughs> And I think that's kind of like what makes me really good at the job is, you know, you've got lots of different knowledge and lots of different experience within that knowledge and allows you to, to understand problems and solve problems. And, you know, I often tell people, and I told someone this today, I didn't like start out trying to build an agency. That wasn't my goal. I really just kind of quit my job because I was unhappy and decided to just freelance because, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with that. You know, if you are unhappy with your job, the best way what you can do to live it you know and you will never regret because you know uh we spend almost half of our time in our jobs it's a lot and if you are happy you know uh, what kind of life is this you know <laughs> it's better to live it and uh, uh, i remember uh, many years ago i started uh, a business one project because of chasing money uh you know i didn't have an other goals just to earn money but i failed i wasted resources for three years uh, because of having the wrong goals the, when i quit you know i got happiness because i can work uh, uh, hard in my loving job so i'm excited about that to have an agency because i love it i love to create content i love to scale i love to cooperate with people with uh, brands uh, can you tell where to start for example if someone has uh, i don't know like a hating job and according to a few studies around 50 to 70 percent of people are unhappy with their jobs some of them hate these jobs so can you tell how to make this first step to go ahead to quit because you know we need to pay bills 
We need yeah. to feed our families. We yeah. have kids, and it's hard decision because it takes time, you know, to uh, get a new revenue, to get uh, the first results. So, any insights about that? Yeah, I mean, people are probably not going to like to hear what I have to say about that part, but you know, I think what a lot of people need to do is you need to have sort of two things. You need one sort of have a nest egg, so like money put aside for an emergency. You know, a i e, it doesn't work out. You know, yes, I think you should try to do a job that you enjoy. Um, but the other thing is, you also need to have a skill that people want to buy, right? If I hate my job, but I don't have anything I can sell to people, and people don't want to pay me for, well, quitting my job is probably not a good idea because then I don't have any way to make any money. So having sort of money in the bank already, you can fall back on because you know building a business, even if it's just a business of one and you just work for yourself, you know it takes time and it really happens overnight. And then two, you've got to actually have a skill that people want to buy at the end of the day. Now, whether you want to actually sell that skill and you like it enough that you do it for some sort of job or to make money is another question. But you do need to have a job that people and a skill that people want to buy at the end of the day. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, it's really just figuring out, you know what you want to sell within that skill, because maybe you have multiple skills uh, and how you're going to position that skill and getting clients, all this sort of the business stuff. But really it starts with like having money in the bank uh, and having a skill. And then what I did personally is I didn't like quit my job without any clients. I already had, I think, two clients at that time. Um, and I've always done like moonlighting freelancing at nighttime when I had a day job, whether it was in Australia or whether it was here in Canada. Um, and so I think having that cushion where I could quit my job and well, I've already got one or two clients, so I'm just going to work on those and then work on finding other clients. That way I can like bring in more money. Um, so that's kind of like the tips is like have a skill people want to buy, have money in the bank. And then ideally you're already freelancing at nighttime. You've got one or two clients so that you can go from like hating your job to at least starting with something. Because starting from scratch is really, really hard and it takes way longer than people think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love your approach. Yeah, that means, for example, if you work eight hours in day uh, in some jobs, so uh, you can uh, you have extra time. You know, instead of watching TV, you can find clients to cooperate with them to get the first income, and only then quit your job. So if you're not uh, sure about the future, so find clients uh, in the extra time because you know people are watching six hours a day TV. It's a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to criticize anyone. It's their uh, time. It's their hobby. If they're happy with that, that's okay. But if you want to be succeed, if you want to go ahead, you need to decrease the amount of time of watching TV and doing something else, for example, uh, to find a job. Okay. Can you tell uh, how you found your first clients? Uh, what methods you used? For example, you know, uh, I remember when I started my agency uh, many years ago. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, uh, uh, the main reason was I had an online shop and I spent some time to promote this shop. Uh, when I got first results, uh, a few of my friends came to me and, and they asked, please give me the same results. Please bring me this traffic. I want a sales. Uh, then I got it that I have no time, you know, to go to help anyone. So I decided to open an agency and this agency uh, has helped my business uh, and uh, grew to a separate union. Uh, and so we got results. Tell your ways how you formed the first clients. I mean, like you formed two clients and insights. <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. I mean, so I've been freelancing since my 20s. Um, so, you know, back then, a lot of what I did was just like networking. I'm from Toronto, where I'm based again right now. Uh, so back then, it's just networking with uh, other agencies, like the big agencies owned by the big holding companies, people who worked at independent agencies. Uh, so I spent a lot of my time just networking, meeting people in you know the advertising, marketing, and you know PPC paid ads community. Uh, and oftentimes, people would say, oh, there's this freelance person who needs someone like for them to Dwayne, because I met Dwayne two months ago. Um, you know, I think that's often hard for people. They don't realize that, like, you can't just, like, sit at home and be at your computer to get clients. you got to go out and meet people uh, because most businesses grow based on referrals and meeting people. Um, so that really helped really early on uh, in my 20s. And then when I was in my 30s and I was working on the job that I quit that I hated, you know, I got those clients, one, because an old co-founder I'd worked for when I lived in the UK, they were starting their second business and they just emailed me and see if I want to take on some freelance work um, because they didn't really have enough money to hire someone full time. And they knew I was really good because I was the head of market at the last company and we grew it till we could sell the company. So they're like, well, check them, you know, two, three thousand bucks a month uh, and he'll manage our Google ads, for example. Uh, and then other clients just came through referrals I'd met, you know, when I lived in Australia or other places. So really, if you want to get clients in the long run, you know, you got to start today just networking, meeting people in your industry, you know, especially meeting people in person is really valuable. You know, because even if you're only meeting people in your city, odds are they know other people in other cities as well who need help and they will refer people to you if you're, you know, somewhat reasonably smart and somewhat reasonably intelligent. Um, so really a lot of networking. I mean, today we get a lot of clients through like referrals, you know, client referrals. Uh, we do some stuff obviously on the Internet. We do things like this. Um, but starting out early out is just networking. Uh, and that's the best way to get clients. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about unique selling proposition. For example, you phone two clients, the first clients. Even if you have first clients, you need to show something more than your competitors have. And it's hard in the beginning, you know, because when you have big agencies, a lot of freelancers who have uh, good reviews, positive uh, reviews, portfolio. But when you have no portfolio, when you have no experience, you need to show something more. Tell your ways how you convince two clients to cooperate with you and any insights for anybody else who want to start from scratch, uh, what to do to find your first clients. Yeah, I mean, you definitely do need experience. You know, I always recommend people do one of two things, um, you know, either go work for like an advertising agency and get experience that way because you can use your day job experience to give it to people to hire you. You know, the other option, depending on what you're doing, if it's in marketing, you know, go work for a nonprofit, like offer them free services. I don't love working for free and I've never suggested, but most nonprofits that are like local, you know, at a state province level, probably use help from like a marketing, graphic design, analytics perspective. You know, you chuck them a couple hours a month and you build your portfolio that way. You know, you do one or two nonprofits, especially if you're starting out and you're not going to focus on any one industry, having a couple nonprofits you've done some work for who can be referenced for you is a good way to build your portfolio. I wouldn't generally work for free for like for-profit businesses because people in for-profit businesses who want free work are never going to value what you do. But when it comes to a nonprofit, especially if it's a nonprofit you love, so they like help kids or they help animals or they help women or whatever the nonprofit does, means you get to like put your skills to an industry that you have an interest in, you want to support. And two, you get the experience you, you potentially need to help build your portfolio. Because when it comes to like, you know, PPC or Google ads or Facebook ads, I can guarantee you there are hundreds of nonprofits around the world who could easily use a couple hours a month of free help. And you get the experience that you need and you get to help a nonprofit. 
Um, and then from there, you can just use that to build a portfolio. But other than that, I'd say get a job at an agency, you know, one, two years, and hopefully if it's good enough agency, you'll get enough experience that you can parlay that experience while you're still there to get your first couple of freelance clients at nighttime. And then eventually you can get yourself set up to leave that job if you wanted to and do the whole freelancing thing because not everybody wants to run a business. You know, I think that's one thing people don't realize not everybody wants to work for themselves and everybody wants to run a business and freelancing at nighttime gets you to see, do I want to actually do this as a day job? Because there's more than just running ads, right? There's also the whole business side of running a business. You got to file taxes. You got to like invoice people. You have to chase invoices. You got to, if you have employees, you've got to like run a company and manage people. And so understanding if you actually want to do the things outside of your core job that it takes to run a business is actually a good thing to learn as well when you're freelancing at night and you've got your day job. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, great. I love it. Love it. Uh, uh, Dwayne, you know, uh, let me share how I did uh, with uh, first client because, you know, uh, the first I cooperated with my friends who uh, saw my results. You know, then I decided to uh, scale, to grow, to go ahead. And I found that it's hard to compete uh, with uh, big projects. Uh, that's why I decided to spend more time with free consultancy before starting the project. For example, most salespeople usually spend like 15 minutes, you know, to provide mini audit. I spent like a few hours, you know, to tell them what to do uh, completely for free. And my first payment was uh, outside of my friends, like $200. Was great you know, i got it wow good money <laughs> why not the, um, my second business brought a lot more but uh, that was good money uh, just to find clients uh, outside of my friends uh, and any other places so yeah it's my approach <laughs> uh, j- just find uh, your competitors weaknesses and uh, uh, use your strong side for example if you can spend more time with your clients before selling products why not you can do it if you can provide uh, uh, insights to create content plan to find keywords to uh, anything just just do it to show you that you care then uh, after getting contract uh, yeah you can build your portfolio yeah why not just uh, consider your strong side okay um, we have the question about social media what do you think uh, how it's important to grow on social media for uh, agency i mean it's, it's a double-edged sword i think like let's look at what's like twitter as an example i think it's actually a great question i think if you look at twitter as an example you know every facebook bro 20 something wants to be on twitter and have the hundreds of thousands of followers but when you actually look at the data more times than not the more followers somebody actually gets the less engagement their tweets actually get because they expand beyond their core demographic now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't necessarily be on Twitter or LinkedIn or Reddit or wherever you can be. I think, though, that most agencies try to be like everywhere or founders try to be like on every platform. I think it's far better to maybe pick your platform of choice. It could be Twitter, it could be LinkedIn, it could be Reddit, it could be TikTok, whatever it is, and then create content specifically for that platform. And then whatever your content topic is, you know, PPC for nonprofits, PPC for other agencies, because you white label potential. I got a friend who does, you know, only thing they talk about is Google Ads scripts. Um, so that's all they've ever talked about the last three years. When you call, when you think about Google Ads scripts, you think about my friend. Um, so I think like pick what your topic is, pick your one channel, and then like double down on that one channel. You know, our general rule with the agency is if we're going to pick up a new marketing channel or a new, you know, distribution channel for our content, 
we have to be on that channel for at least a year. We're not going to judge our success in under a year because like going to the gym, when you start Jan first at the gym, because you've got that weight loss goal, you're not going to have abs by the end of January, right? So you want to be in there for the long haul. And if you're in there for a year, you can look back at a year and say, okay, well, this did work out, but maybe not as well as we thought. Okay, this didn't work out, but we gave it our best shot. We tried lots of things. Most people quit things way too early because they didn't see success right away. But success is not an overnight thing. We've been running the agency for six years. I started year seven on Jan first this year. And when we're done this year, we'll be done seven years. But I wouldn't get to where I am today as so I quit everything after two or three months because I didn't see the success right away. So I don't think it's bad to be on social media, but you need to pick what you're going to talk about and be laser focused. And you need to pick what channel you're going to be on and be in it to win it. Most people give up way too early because they don't see traction. I think the good research behind this is for YouTube. I think someone said like someone takes off on YouTube only after they've posted like 100 videos or something like that. And then once they get to like a thousand videos, it's when velocity happens and they get like hundreds of thousands of followers really quickly. And so if you think about that, most people probably quit YouTube after like a dozen videos or maybe 20 videos. Nobody ever goes to a hundred videos, but that's what it takes to stand out from the crowd because most people are down here. You want to be up here, but to be up here, you've got to post a hundred videos or be in something for you. You can't be a scrub and be down here. So if you're not in it to win it and be in it for the long haul, don't do it. You're going to waste your time. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Interesting, You know, these guys uh, didn't know about YouTube <laughs> because they have no internet. I hope the North Korea will have internet, YouTube, and uh, all other social media that we have today. Uh, June, you know, you, you, you remind me uh, my mistakes. You know, in 2020, when I decided to uh, grow my social media profiles, I, uh, you know, my approach was wrong because I tried to uh, post content on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and you know, I failed. I failed uh, to get uh, any meaningful results. Then I quit and decided to pay attention only on LinkedIn because I found that uh, on this social media you can win hand engagement that it's hard on facebook uh that it's hard on many other platforms probably on tiktok you can as well but it's far away from my strong side i, I love mm. writing more than filming uh, that's why i spend some time on linkedin to grow my audience uh and uh, my best results were like 500 followers a day uh 10, views uh, in the day Good, good approach, you know, to, to grow, to go ahead. Uh, but, you know, uh, when you try to cover all social media with limited resources, it's, it's really, really hard. Uh, and uh, even if even if you repurpose content, you need to engage with the audience. It's not only to create content. You need to engage to invite your audience to your content because the best content is dying on social media for a few hours <laughs> because nobody knows that you have this content. Uh, and uh, many people um, share about Gary Vee. You know, he has a team. He started on Twitter. Uh, he posted uh, tweets uh, seven years. Uh, then he grew to other social media. Uh, so uh, he focused, but when... He, he had a team, he decided to grow everywhere, and the team can help him. Uh, if you have two hands, as I have, you know, 
find one social media, grow there, get results. Then you can uh, cover other social media with uh, extended resources. When you earn money in the first social media, you can use other with, with a team. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, and you mentioned about uh, posting 100 videos. You know, it's interesting that uh, I think it's a good approach. You know, when you post a lot, and, uh, you know, with the main goal to get experience, to get confidence uh, to film. Uh, because, you know, PewDiePie posted 100 videos to get 285 subscribers. Today, he has 110 million. Uh, Mr. Beast posted content an year and a half to get 1,000 subscribers. Today, yeah. everyone knows about Mr. Beast. But, you know, they didn't give up. Uh, they used, uh, you know, they got experience, confidence to create video content. Then, when uh, the time was uh, the best, when they uh, could get uh, results much better, yeah, they increased and grew their audience. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Okay, do, can you tell about your unique selling proposition? Uh, for example, if uh, someone wanna find a responsible uh, agency, can you tell why you are better than uh, other uh, uh, agencies? We have thousands, if not millions, agencies today. So your strong side i think there yeah i think there are hundreds of thousands probably millions of agencies and even yeah. freelancers around the world you know headed into potentially a deeper recession or the current recession we're already in means that people will consider hiring freelancers as much as agencies you know i was actually talking about this the other day on reddit you know i don't think there's a lot that necessarily maybe separates us from other agencies if you just look at it per, from the perspective of like we run advertising, right? Everybody runs advertising. But I think what separates us apart from lots of the agencies is how we approach what we do or how we position ourselves as an agency. So there's a couple of things we do. I mean, we run ads for clients on you know Google, Facebook, TikTok, Microsoft, Amazon ads. You know, so we do all those standard major advertising platforms. But the two things that I really realized early on was one, you know, when it comes to putting out content, we only really put out content about like Google ads, Shopify, e-commerce, you know, shopping ads. So really focused our content around like what we're really amazing at. What can we be the best in the world at? So when people think about Dwayne nice. and the agency, the best in the world, they think about like Google, Google shopping, shopping ads, e-commerce, Shopify, you know, our agency aren't just Shopify partners or Shopify experts, which means Shopify's picked us to be the best, the best when it comes to marketing and leveraging the Shopify platform to grow businesses via marketing, which helps us really stand out. And then beyond that, you know, we really tell clients, you're actually hiring us to do two jobs, right? Most agencies think that you're hiring them to do one job, which is to run your ad account. But anyone who's done this long enough knows that you're actually being hired to do two jobs. Job one is what most agencies sell, which is like hire us and we'll run your Facebook, your TikTok, your Google, your Amazon, whatever it is. But you could do everything right and still fail if the client's website isn't the best it can possibly be. And so the other thing that clients are actually hiring us for is strategy and helping them build a better business, what I commonly call the post-click experience. And so if we can make recommendations to help our clients build a stronger business and build a better business that has a stronger post-click website experience, they will make more sales, make more money, convert people faster, which means what we're doing down here with advertising becomes a lot easier. And so we position ourselves as not just an agency that does strategy. We position ourselves as a strategy agency that does PPC. So that puts us more in the 
box of like the Deloitte's and the WPPCs and all those places like that, because those people sell strategy, right? But they couldn't execute if their life depended on it. We look at it as like, we're really amazing at strategy, but we can also execute, which is different than most agencies are like, high Russell will execute stuff, but those agencies don't spend enough time to think about what they're going to do. They don't think about the strategy behind what they're going to do. Because if you've got a to-do list that's eight, 12 items long, you pick the wrong thing on the to-do list and you won't get anywhere. But if you pick the right thing, you're strategic about what you do on that to-do list, you'll get somewhere a lot faster. And so how we position ourselves from a strategic agency that executes is really helping separate us apart. Plus, my experience or team's experience as a whole is pretty unique and pretty diverse. And so we layer that on top of like being strategic, being smart. You know, we tell clients in pitch meetings, like when other agencies have said things and it's wrong, we just say, yeah, the agency's lying. Here's why they're lying. Like an agency said the other day that they're going to spy on competitors with SEM Rush. Well, that's a lie. SEM Rush is crap at spying on competitors. The tool doesn't work. No one should use that data. It's awful data. And we told the client. And if the agency is going to spend time on that, what else are they going to waste time on that isn't actually adding value to the business, which is what you hire them to do to make you more money? And so we're just really honest. You know, clients will often say, you were just so relaxed in that pitch meeting. I was like, I just had to hire them. Like, yeah, I mean, hire us, great. Don't hire us, that's okay. If you don't hire us, someone else will. I don't have time to like sit here and try to convince you to hire us. You either know who we are or you don't at this point. If you don't know who we are, you should have done your research before you hired someone. So it's either hire us or don't. I mean, I don't really care either way, to be honest, because at the end of the day, if you don't sign, someone else will, and we'll focus our energy on those who really want to work with us. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Yeah, great approach. Okay, let me share my strategy that I yeah. used um, uh, in Google Ads in uh, 2011. You know, I didn't ask anybody else to help me with Google Ads. I set up all campaigns myself uh, and uh, all campaigns worked well. We got sales uh, because I paid 5-10 cents per click. Today, I can't. I can't. Yeah pay uh, five ten cents because i need to pay five ten dollars you know even more you know? so uh and today this strategy uh doesn't work and you mentioned about strategy i i found the same issue with many clients they're trying to replicate their competitors for example if competitors uh, get uh, sales and and uh, uh, drip some uh, pay-per-click campaigns it doesn't mean that you can get the same results because competitors might use their strong side you know, uh, you need to consider your strong side, your preferences, and even more to think about your competitors' weaknesses and jump mm. on this field. Can you tell how to, to find a buying persona and uh, create uh, pay marketing campaigns that will work in this extremely competitive field? Sure. I think I want to touch on one point. I think the other thing, the other issue with like looking at your clients' competitors or brands' competitors is... is just because the brand is spending money on advertising doesn't actually mean that it's working. You know, we've all audited ad accounts where they're spending tons of money and they're just blowing cash, like they're unprofitable. And so the challenge of copying your competitors is you could just be following them down a road that isn't actually going to make you any money. Uh, so you rarely ever want to copy your competitors. Unless you've got access to their books and you know it's profitable, you eventually are setting yourself up to fail. You know, when I think it comes to like figuring out buyer personas, you know, what we look at is two things. Uh, you can either A, read customer reviews. Most businesses, at least have been around for a year or two, will have customers leave reviews. So reading your reviews, reading your competitors' reviews are really interesting as well because you get to understand, you know, who bought the product, why they bought the product. People often talk about, like, uh, pain points or issues or problems they had when they're talking about a product if it's very solutions-oriented product that's going to solve. 
Um, and the other thing is interviewing clients and stuff like that. So we'll go to clients' offices and interview customers. We'll go to clients and interview them as well. Um, one of our clients does a really big sort of pop-up art crafty show here in Toronto every year. Um, and so in the first year when we worked with them, I was living in Montreal. So I flew from Montreal to Toronto, which is not very far. It's like an hour's flight, two hours flight. Um, and I spent the day just interviewing a lot of women about why they buy pajamas. Uh, and I learned more in that afternoon about like why women buy these pajamas than I could have if I sat at home and just spent time on the internet. Because I think the other thing to think about is even though our client sells pajamas, our client's pajamas are not like every other pajamas in the market. And so if I just read other pajama brands reviews or talked to their customers, I wouldn't have gleaned the same insights that I did when I talked with our client's actual customers. So it's important to, when you can, talk to your client's customers as the number one option. If you can't do that, read that customer's reviews. If you can't do that, then maybe eventually look at competitors' reviews. But remember that your competitors' customers may not be your customers. And so you want to take those reviews with a grain of salt. Uh, and then after that, you just come up with like ad copy and you just test ad copy until you find what copy resonates with the customers and brings in the type of customers your clients want that are going to be you know, profitable. They're not going to like bog down the customer service team with a lot of stupid questions they could just find on the website if they weren't so lazy. Uh, and then from there, you just keep on doing what's working and you scale up. Yeah, nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Duane, uh, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list mistakes that companies still do and uh, your insights uh, how to find a much better way? Yeah, I mean, the big one is most people probably spend too little money on advertising. You know, now I agree that if you're a small business making, you know, half a million, million dollars a year, that's spending maybe $5,000 a month is a lot for you on advertising. But I sometimes don't think that brands and people realize that there are brands that spend a hundred thousand, a million dollar, ten million dollars a month in advertising. And so even though in comparison in context, five thousand dollars a month is a lot for you, in reality, it could be not enough money for you to spend online to get traction. You know, we see it all the time, businesses I want to get started with a hundred dollars, with a thousand dollars, with five hundred dollars. And so often brands spend too little money to start out, and then they're unhappy when results don't happen. And that's because they didn't spend enough money. The other thing I think we see a lot happens is You know, kind of like what we do is kind of like engineers. If you don't know like what an engineer does or you don't know what we do, you don't understand it, it can be really hard to hire. You know, oh, these both these people both have like a Google Ads certificate. Oh, these people have both been working for five years. Just because somebody has a Google Ads certificate doesn't mean they actually know what they do. And anyone can get Google Ads certificate. You can go find the answers online. It's really easy to pass. Just because you can pass it doesn't mean you actually know how to run campaigns. You know, you want to get people that have got hands-on experience, but also potentially hands-on experience within the vertical you sell. So if you do e-commerce, get someone who's got e-commerce experience. If you do lead gen, get someone who's got lead gen. If you do local, get someone who's got local experience. Because, you know, lead gen and e-commerce and local are all different types of advertising. And just because I've done e-com doesn't necessarily mean I can do local advertising. I can because I've been doing this for 17 years, but someone with only a couple years of experience may not be able to make that transition or vice versa. And then I think beyond there, I think also trying to really talk to people to make sure they actually know what they're talking about, because it's easy to sound like you know what you're talking about. It's a lot harder to actually execute and do this job. And so I think for a lot of brands, it's like, you know, you yourself take the Google ad certificate, you know, read the documentation, understand a little bit about like what it is to do Google or Facebook ads or something like that so that you can ask better questions of the people that you're going to hire. Because just because someone's been working for five years doesn't mean they actually have five years of experience. They could be 
have one year of experience five times, i.e. they're just on the same thing each year for the last five years working because they haven't progressed in their careers. And so you want to make sure that you don't hire someone who just says they have lots of experience. You want to understand the knowledge within that experience and things they've done in those five years to make sure they can actually work on your account. And then the big thing I say on Reddit and online in general, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If people are making you guarantees, it's too good to be true. Trust your gut and hire someone else. Also, if the fees seem too low, it probably is too low. You know, much like lawyers, doctor, dentist, mechanics, there's just a cost to do this job. And someone who's charging you too little is probably just trying to convince you to sign with a cheap price. And then they're just not going to work on your account, which is not what you want. Because even though you're going to tell yourself, oh, well, I don't pay them very much every month, so it's okay. But if you're spending money on ads and they're not converted and you're paying a cheap fee to an agency or person and they're not doing the job to get the ads to convert, you're not just wasting money on the person, you're wasting money on the advertising that you spent on Google or Facebook. And so when you add those two things together, you're burning tons of money every month versus if you spent a little bit more money and got someone who's competent and who knows what they're doing. So at the end of the day, trust your gut, but don't spend too little money because you'll be unhappy when results don't come. Nice, nice. Yeah, awesome tips. You know, you, you, you share a lot of value today. I love it, love it. Uh, and, you know, you, you remind me the quote that the era of lazy marketers is dead. Yeah, it doesn't matter uh, how many years of experience you have. It's more important how you update your skills, how you go ahead. Because I often meet marketers with obsolete knowledge. Uh, today, you can't use the same knowledge uh, for a long time. You need mm -hmm. to update, innovate, to find something new because of this, ex because of comp competition, you know, it's extremely competitive at any field, you know, especially about paid marketing. Uh, it works well. If you, uh, you learn, as you mentioned, uh, your buying persona, how why people are buying pajamas or any other items. So, yeah. Uh, and I like your approach to go to talk with customers, you know, to uh, learn from them so you can create much better campaigns. Uh, I have the question. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about paid marketing? Yeah, I mean, if I start today, I mean, today is, is so different than 17 years ago. I often tell the team, like, 17 years ago, I was shooting fish in a barrel. You could put up a Google Ads and make money tomorrow. It was not that difficult. You also had, like, a lot less options. Um, if I was going to start from today, I think I'd do what I talked about earlier. I, I try to get a job at an advertising agency. I try to pitch some local nonprofits and see if they need some help with marketing, even if it's only, like, you know, I do some stuff for nonprofits one day a week. I spend my mornings with one nonprofit. I spend my afternoons with another um, that's one way to get experience. I mean, I still would read the Google documentation on getting the Google Ads certificate, even though I don't think the certificate itself has value. I think going through the process of doing that has value because you get to learn the terminology when it comes to Google and what different things mean, which is really valuable. Uh, and then from there, yeah, I try to get a job with an agency. I mean, not all agencies are great. Some agencies are a sweatshop and a warehouse and, you know, it's not a great place to work, but even a year's experience at an agency is valuable than trying to do it on your own. Because I think what people don't realize, and kind of like what I talked about earlier, outside of just doing your job, there's lots of functions outside of doing your job that the agency does, like, you know, payroll and HR and taxes. And so understanding, like, how to run a business is a valuable skill when you work an agency job and being able to take those skills of how to run a business and apply it to yourself if you're going to work for yourself or you're going to team up with your best friend and start a company, even if what you start isn't an advertising agency, let's say you start an e-commerce store or something else, 
that experience you get from the agency of like how to run a business if they share those details with you and how to like do your job, you can apply anywhere. I mean, there's so many businesses out there that need people who know how to run a business that having that knowledge is really valuable. You know, we do see that question a lot on, on Reddit. People ask, well, well, how do I break into the industry? How do I get experience? And the two things really is find a nonprofit that needs help and get a job at an agency. I mean, it's more competitive today to get a job um, just because, you know, there's a lot of people who want help and, and sometimes those people are almost maybe too picky in what they want. You know, they want someone who's like me, but they also they want to pay like $30 an hour. Well, I'm like $150 an hour on like a bad day, $500 an hour if it's ad hoc. And so if you want someone really great, you've got to have your salary match them all the way up here and not down here. Um, but mm -hmm. if people want to hire someone down here, you could probably get that job, but you need to get yourself some experience. Yeah. Uh, I have the question about, um, for example, for a new project, uh, you know, um, it depends on experience. I found that many experts reply in different ways. If I ask 100 people, I get 100 different replies. But anyway, uh, tell what do you think? For a new project, uh, it's better to start with organic reach or paid marketing? Yeah, I mean, I guess if a client was going to come to us and they want our help, you know, ideally we'd want them to see some organic results already, right? Prove that there's some traction, prove that they put some time to like sell the product. You know, someone actually asked that question the other day on the Shopify forums about starting out marketing. I was like, well, why don't you do like, you know, PR or, you know, SEO or even go to farmer's markets. If you, if you sell a type of product that you could sell at a farmer's market or something like that, do those things to prove that people actually want to buy your product and get that traction. And then you could take that money and invest in paid ads. Because again, you know, like I said earlier, oftentimes businesses will spend too little money on advertising and then be unhappy that it didn't work. I mean, kind of the issue could be you hired a really shitty person, don't get me wrong. But if you hire a shitty person and you don't spend enough money, well, you shot yourself in the foot twice. And so going to farmer's markets, doing SEO, doing PR, reaching out to influencers, proving that people actually want to buy this product and build it up that way, and then go do paid ads. You can do paid ads to start, but it's going to be a harder uphill battle to start from scratch with a business and only do pay ads versus if you have a business that's already got organic and other channels proven that you can sell the product. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Uh, Dwayne, I have the final question. Uh, sure. Let's imagine. Um, okay, uh, another question. Uh, uh, because you know, uh, I have many different questions, but I wanna ask the most important. Uh, uh, what do you think about the future of uh, paid marketing? What what kind of future will be? Because many things are coming: metaverse, augmented reality. Today, anyone uh, is discussing about uh, chat GPT. So your insights about the future and how to start today uh, to get or adapt your preferences to this future. Yeah, I mean, no one can predict the future. I mean, everybody wants to be, you know, the next person who predicts what's going to happen in the future and have some hot take. No one can do it. It's mostly bullshit, to be honest. You know, what I think, though, people should do today, you know, if you want to do marketing, Google Analytics 4 comes out July 1st, where everyone has to use Google Analytics 4. So, I would say everyone who's watching this or anyone in the next six months, next year who's watching this, you know, understand how to use Google Analytics 4 because there are all going to be businesses who need to use it and don't know how to use it. So having that advantage of you know how to use it, you can implement it, you can set it up would be really valuable. 
you know, you can go buy a domain name these days for a couple bucks on just any number of sites. You can set up some free hosting somewhere, and that will let you learn how to install and set up Google Analytics for. And you can have like a blog where you like type how your experience is going, trying to get into the industry. You know, that's really a way to show that you've taken some initiative. Because that's the other thing about getting a job somewhere is you got to show that you can take some initiative, but your initiative has to be different than everyone else in the market because everybody is going to pass their Google Ads exam or their Facebook exam. So you need something else beyond passing those exams to prove that you should get the job versus someone else. You know, when it comes to things like the metaverse, you know, the metaverse reminds me of things like Second Life that came out in like 06 or 07. I don't know if people want to live their life in the metaverse or in Second Life, but, you know, that remains to be seen. When it comes to things like Chad GDP or whatever it's called, like... I understand what it does. I get it. I don't think it's actually going to replace marketing because I, what I think is going to happen is kind of like when we had like AI copyright and other things in the past, what it's actually going to do is just have people be lazy. You know, someone put a tweet the other day and they're like, you know, you can use this to like research these topics and stuff. And like, you wouldn't use it for everything here, but I'm going to show you what to do. And then as you go through each tweet, even though they explain how to use it for other sections and then don't use it, they also tell you how to use it for each section. So it's like they've contradicted themselves. It's like, here using step one, here's how you use it in step two, here's how you use it in step three. And so I think a lot of people just use ChatGPT to become a lazy marketer, for lack of a better word. They'll use it to figure out like, what are people's pain points? What copy should I use? But this tool is just gonna pull what other people are already gonna do. And if it's gonna pull what other people are gonna do and you're just gonna copy that, you're not going to stand out in marketing because the goal of marketing and advertising at the end of the day is to make your brand stand out. If you do what everyone else does, you're not going to stand out in the market, right? You want your marketing to both attract the people who would make the ideal customer and repel the people you don't want as a customer. But if you're advertising, especially your ad copy on your ads, on your landing pages, on your website, is exactly the same as all your competitors, then there's no reason I should buy from you versus your competition, especially if your competition is cheaper. And even if you are cheaper than your competition, if you can't back up your product with a back up your product with a great service or great product, well then people are just going to churn and you're going to lose money based on them not being there to give you their money. And so I have no idea what the future is, but I think people should focus on things like Google Analytics 4. I think people should focus on like, you know, how to interview clients, how to break into the industry based on things I talked about, and the rest will take care of itself. I don't really worry about the future. I worry about the next couple of years. So like Google Analytics 4 is really important, enhanced uh, enhanced conversions for Google Ads is really important. Things like Cappy for Facebook are really important. Focus on like the next couple of years and I'll let the future take care of itself. Yeah, nice, nice, nice tips. Dwayne, I love all your insights. So valuable. By the way, guys, if you open uh, Dwayne uh, LinkedIn profile, you can find uh, that he uh, has a course, lynda.com. You know, he's an offer on this course. So you can learn more about paid marketing because, you know, uh, uh, I can divide my audience to uh, two parts, someone uh, who is learning about digital marketing and someone uh, who wants to get traffic sales to their projects. So uh, someone who want to learn more, you can uh, open this course to learn about paid marketing. I love it. I'm going to check it out and leave my review because uh, I know how it's important today to get new valuable skills. Dwayne, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, I mean, I'll also just say the LinkedIn course is also free, so it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, it's really the basics of PPC and how to, how to get started, so it's a great thing to take. Um, so the easiest way to find me really is I spend a lot of time on Twitter, so it's just Dwayne Brand, my, my full name on Twitter. Um, I also spend a lot of time on the PPC subthread on Reddit. So it's just Fathom53 on Reddit. 
those are probably where I spend the most time. I've also spent a lot more time the last four months on LinkedIn. So I'll probably spend more time this year on LinkedIn. Um, so it's either, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. You could follow me on Reddit. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, and that's kind of generally where I put out my content and spend my time. And when I'm not in those three places, I'm obviously working on client accounts. I'm speaking at conferences. I'm going to be at MozCon uh, in August. So if you're at MozCon, say hi. I'm going to be at Brighton SEO in April, uh, April 2023, obviously. So if you're at Brighton SEO or you think about going, say hi. I've got two different talks, one in Google Performance Max. I've got one in automation. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm really just head down and trying to help clients scale the businesses and survive 2023. Nice, nice. Guys, you need to follow Duane on LinkedIn, on Twitter, because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Uh, someone who is going to Moscon or Brighton SEO, I think, yeah, they are the most famous <laughs> uh, conferences uh, in digital marketing. So yep. I'm excited. Uh, if I have time to go there, I'll, I'll be. But uh, I have many different things, so I need to check out my schedule, but yeah. I recommend 100%. Okay, guys, uh, thanks for watching, to listening to us. Thanks again, Dwayne, a big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I love it. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.